Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinson, episode 544. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, returning for 2022, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot. Save thousands of dollars when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Today we're sharing more insights about one of the themes of the 2022 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast released last month. Our second insight is plant your own bouquet. And today's guest, Jen Healy, is one of the people who helped me realize this important shift in the marketplace. When Jen first joined the Slow Flower Society with her business, J&B Garden Center, we jumped on the phone last year so I could get to know her better. I learned that J&B is an independent, family-owned retail, garden, and home decor destination in Albany, located about 70 miles south of Portland near Corvallis. Jen and I discussed the important intersection between gardening and cut flower growing, and how she's integrating the two worlds through the business she and her husband, Brent Pakras, started in 2019. Today we'll meet Jen, talk about the floral program at J&B, and as a bonus, she'll share her observations from last month's Dallas Home and Gift Market. We'll discuss five key trends that Jen noticed there, lifestyle and decor themes and concepts you'll want to know all about for your floral enterprise. For listeners, I encourage you to check out the full video of my conversation with Jen Healy, which you can find in the show notes for episode 544 at slowflowerspodcast.com. You'll also find a PDF of our slide deck and find ways to follow J&B Garden Center. For now, let's jump right in and get started. Welcome, Jen Healy. Jen Healy, how are you? I am good. Thank you for having us, Deborah. Oh my great. gosh. Thank yeah. You. I'm excited about this. It's a good way to start the new year with a, a look ahead on the on the horizon yes. and what's coming. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, um, you, we put a little slide deck together just because it's it's winter and we may mm-hmm. or may not have time to do a walking tour of, of the garden center, but why don't I put that up and, and you can start okay. by just introducing us to your business and giving us a snapshot yeah. of, of what your business is all about. So uh, now we've got a slide up that kind of introduces us to the front, the front facing side of J and B. So yes. give us an introduction. And by the way, you're J of J and B, right? I 
M. So J is for Jen and uh, my husband, Brent. Uh, we both started together and um, we had just been kind of one of our passions. We bought a home uh, about five years ago, four and a half years ago, and uh, just up the hill from the, our what was our current neighborhood garden center. And we're down there every single day, right? Um, and primarily gardening, except I did do a lot of containers uh, with annuals. And so the owners of our local garden center were closing and retiring after being there for 20 years. So we really knew how much of a mainstay that business and that it was kind of like a little heart of the community, right? Mm. So we we knew that we felt a, a huge loss coming. And so we decided to move in uh, to an empty building, 15,000 square feet. And there you are. <laughs> yeah. Get crazy uh, on our own. So we've been going about two and a half years now. So that was the building. That's just one corner of it. It's 15,000 square feet of interior uh, retail space. And then outside is about an acre and a half to two acres of uh, space that we have for bulk uh, bark and rock and all of our trees and shrubs and everything. That, that's incredible. I mean, that yeah. is just, there we go. I was like, where am I on the screen? I want to see you. Um, that is cavernous. And uh, okay. Yeah. So from 2019, oh, good luck for starting a new business right before COVID too, right? Yeah. yeah that didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, but had uh, your husband been in the, in the nursery industry or had y- you been in the landscape business? Like what possessed you to think you could do this? Um, no. So the answer is no to both of those. <laughs> um, however, uh, I, but personally, I've always been an entrepreneur. I originally started um, in the late 90s um, with the scrapbooking and, and rubber stamping industry. And so I grew a local storefront um, from the small little downtown area into one of the biggest accounts and uh, stores in Oregon. So I had gone through that process in in the past of in my career, and so I know that I know that inside piece of merchandising and wholesale buying and uh, seasonality and all of that. Um, and Brent is a safety manager, or he was always a safety manager uh, in commercial construction, mm. and so he's a business professional and, and understands um, a lot of that end. But he hadn't owned his own business before. And so that was a big learning curve, you know, or even just not even just a learning curve, but for him, he came in, usually you start small and grow big, right? Right. Right. Uh, Bless his heart. He came in and I was like, no, but it's this, this, yes, it's big scale. (laughs) So So you, you uh, have this like tolerance for risk and you knew what needed to be done to launch this business correctly. Right. And uh, I kind of practiced for a few days at the the previous garden center before um, before they closed. And, and he came down and helped me one weekend. And he was like, this is so much fun, you oh. know, talking to people about, you know, spraying their orchards for with, you know, their dormant spray and getting ready for spring and talking about lawns and running a dump truck in a loader. He was in heaven. So, <laughs> so yeah. this is this is fast forward the, the slide we're looking at now to 2021. Yeah. This is your interior space yep. that is merchandise 
so beautifully and it kind of shows Thank a little you. bit of your vibe where you're mixing new yeah. products with vintage and, and that sort of feels like it fits the community of, of um, Albany too, right? It does actually, because we're uh, a smaller town, I want to say in the 60,000s or high end, but at the same time, we're smack dab in the middle of the Willamette Valley. And so highly ag um, farmers, you know, all of our friends are farmers or business owners and um, in that industry. And so, you know, um, the boards that are on our island there and that uh, corrugated metal, I luckily was able to mix both my worlds, uh, love of being a hoarder, a dunker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we opened the store, I had a storage unit just for all my treasures. Um, wow. But, you know, so I, I pulled those boards out of a barn about 10 miles from here and my best girlfriend loves woodworking. She made us that island. You know, the, the fan is from a farmer in Madras, his old windmill that we repurposed. So yeah. Very cool. Well, so, and here's a little peek of an overview, just to show that when you do have a big cabinet space, you can yeah. still give these intimate vignettes and, and groupings of merchandise. So the consumer walks through the way you want them to, I suppose. Right. Yep. And that's really what we tried to do. The goal, um, you know, having a store in the past, a retail store, I already was accustomed to making sure that there's an intentional flow for our customers when they come in the door, you know, which way are they going to turn? What do I want them to see from every angle that they're shopping and taking us in, you know? Um, yeah. And experience. so, yeah. And so um, we did, we create a, a lot of little vignettes and we try to make it feel like home. So there's a lot of stuff in here that, you know, I picked up for $3 at an estate sale and I might mark it up to 15 or 20, but I really want people to see that. Um, I want them to see that they can use functional goods that they have in a unique way Yeah, at home. Yeah. And then still, obviously the new products go great with it as yeah. well. And then the image on the left, this is out in your um, outdoors part of the nursery, yes. right? Yep. So that there's a story behind that picture. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is just kind of one angle of our acreage outside and under our plant barn, we call it. And one of the things when it gets really, really hot, people don't enjoy shopping for plants. And we have to turn our sprinklers, our overhead sprinklers on to kind of keep everything cool. We've got to keep the ground cool so that the roots don't burn um, and sure. such. And so those days when we know it's, it's going to be, you know, 108 or 105, we turn our sprinklers on and we rent a snow cone machine and we call it snow cones and sprinklers. We plan ahead. So we invite all the kids, uh, to come down with their parents and they just get in their swimsuits and their, you know, they get snow cones and they just run around the garden center in the overhead sprinklers, having a blast. So I love it. That was and me <laughs> out there running with them, obviously. It's so smart. And hopefully the parents are shopping for plants because they're they're having fun and, and you're out yeah. there getting wet too. Yeah. Sometimes they do. Most of the time we kind of, there's that balance of trying to do something like that for marketing and otherwise just really trying to do it for the community. And wow. I think that that's one thing I missed uh, over the years that I didn't own a local business um, is that I wasn't as easily um, able to jump in and into community events and stuff like that. Yeah. So, wow. Well, we when, we were, when we were planning for this um, 
uh, episode, you you shared a concept of yours that I think is exemplified in these images. And we'll go on to the next slide too, which is surprise and delight. And I just, that snow yes. cone story is a perfect example of that, um, that you're, no one's sitting around waiting for JMB Garden Center to start a snow cone and sprinkler day, but right. when, but yeah. people love it now, right? And you've created a, yep. a tradition. They do. And, and so as I was actually pulling some of these photos for you, I thought, you know what, I need to get that on the calendar right away for next year, because whether it's hot or not, we want to do it. It was so much fun. So um, that concept of surprise and delight, that one is one that we focus on um, all around. And it comes into um, plays into different points of contact that we have with customers. It plays into the way we do our CSA uh, floral, you know, membership such Mm -hmm. through, um, through the summer. And where that stems from is I had a few years working with Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts globally and all their properties and directors of marketing and, and public relations and such. And their, their, one of their mottos is really to surprise and delight their guests. And that's kind of just ingrained in me now thinking it doesn't have to be a travel stay or anything like that, but how can I pop in, even if I'm designing a new landscape, where can I put those little personality pieces of that uh, homeowner into their landscape where when they are, are having guests go through or they're sharing their garden, um, those little points of surprise and delight still pop out for, for them too. So, yeah, I think I would be surprised and delighted if I walked up on this photo of this vintage uh, farm truck or delivery uh-huh. truck that has now been turned into a fixture basically to display yep. garden art and plants. And it kind yeah. of gives people decorating ideas too. It's charming. It is. I, that truck is, um, you know, when you spend money, you probably shouldn't, but you never regret it. It, That's that truck. It was (laughs) for sale down the road. And I told Brent, I said, I want this truck and it's going to be perfect for, um, so many different things outside. And it's a conversation piece. And during the pandemic, one of the things that moved me so much is on mother's day, that first year, people were finally able to go outside and congregate. And we had so many families who came and had their, what would have been their Sunday brunch or Sunday church photos um, on mother's day, they came here and had their, their photos taken in front of that truck. (laughs) And that was all organic. Yeah. I didn't even know it was going to happen. So we, we love that truck. That's neat. Okay. Let's, that's just another, uh, oh, this is your plant area. This is fun to show yeah. too, because your yep. house plant business is pretty big, right? Yes. Yes. We have about 2,500 square feet of indoor greenhouse um, that we keep temperature controlled and we have humidity controls in there. And then who doesn't love house plants and cats? So yeah. Yeah. that's is our that, Maggie. Is that the nursery cat? Yes, we have three. <laughs> we have three nursery cats. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. Um, this photo on the left, I think you have to talk about because it maybe is like a, back to that hoarder, a junker uh, uh-huh. <laughs> talent you have. <laughs> yes. So that is a $50 um, garage find that came from um, a good friend of mine who was having an estate sale. And that's an example of if you love it, do not ever get rid of it. No matter what, no matter who convinces you to sell it, don't do it. Um and then also a very, very 
kind of rare antique find of a Columbia yarn hutch that I just oh. put together on the top. So, oh, I love it. So yeah, this is now. I love that. Sometimes you refinish the pieces and sometimes you use the old patina or a combination, right? Yep, exactly. And so that, um, I ended up selling that hutch and I regret it to this day, but Mm. I left it original. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the right is we do classes all year round. So this was pre-COVID obviously, um, but we can seat about 30 to 50 people for all sorts of classes, whether it's Christmas floral design, cooking classes, all sorts of stuff. Wow. Wow. That's great. looks like this was maybe a a Christmas swag or wreath class. Yep. Wreath making. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about the flower part of it. How, cause I yes. come out of, I come out of gardening and actually my garden writing career started writing for a independent garden center in, um, Linwood, Washington back in the late, oh. I guess in the late nineties, early two thousands. So I totally get uh-huh. what you're doing, but yeah. people weren't doing cut flowers back in the day at independent garden centers. So no. this is a facet that I'm really been enjoying seeing happen, but people have to really, uh, invest in it. You can't just throw a bucket of flowers out and call it good. Like you've d- developed a program, right? Yes. Yes. No, you cannot. So um, the last couple of years, we've uh, sort of been testing, I would say testing the waters um, with growing cut flowers. And really the concept for me stemmed from, I um, can kind of see that trend coming a few years ago where people are the home gardener they, I just get the vibe that they're going to start wanting to grow their own cut gardens. And there's obviously a difference in regular gardening and even growing your own perennials and annuals um, and nursery cut flowers. Right. So by that, I mean the cut flowers, you come to the garden center nursery and it says great for cut flowers on the tag. That is uh, good in theory, but for what we do in an actual cut flower industry where we're doing design and arranging and and everything that we do all the time, um, there is a huge difference. And so for me, I needed to learn how to grow cut flowers so that I could teach our customers who I am pretty sure are going to want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what you're talking about, I've also noticed too, that there's some, uh, there's this dwarfing of plants in the nursery trade so that mm-hmm. the stems are shorter, uh, I guess, to go into the beds and borders, but they're not practical then when you have a, a short, I don't know, we have a short yeah. uh, dahlia or a short mom. Right. They don't work for cut yeah. flowers, but the nursery trade hasn't made that switch. Well, they haven't made that switch. I think, well, they still use fax machines in the nursery trade. So <laughs> yeah. there's that. I'm not knocking us because I'm here. <laughs> but there, I'm going to leave that one alone. So there's that. Um, the other thing is, is there is, you know, uh, there's a method to, as all of our listeners know, growing those long stems, little, you know, little bit of foliage, large blooms, large stems, um, you know, how, how tight we pack them in all those methods of growing cut flowers. That isn't, anything that's more of a concept for the nurseries. And so yeah. they're not even necessarily a nursery grower is not thinking about that. And yeah. I, there are some that work when you go to your garden center and shop, but there are some that don't. And you really, that's one of the things the last two years that I've been um, testing is I grew, you know, um, my Dahlia tubers 
uh, right next to nursery grown, the ones that I brought home from the store that say cut flowers and their dahlias in the one gallons. I grew those side by side this last year, just so that I could see how, how good can I get them with pinching and how much of a difference is there? It's more about variety selection then, and and you're trying to bring the 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 products, or excuse me, the varieties that professional flower farmers are growing into the retail garden center. That's sort of the new twist. Yeah. Yep. Well, how does the bouquet bar work? That's a cute little vignette there. So we have surprisingly we were, did really really well growing cut flowers the first couple of years and so um this is excess of we do a csa delivery weekly for regular customers to their homes and then also to local businesses as well and so we deliver businesses on mondays and um thursdays are for consumers thursday afternoons so they have it for the weekend but this is just all of our excess um that sits in our cooler throughout the week. So we right. harvest, gosh, I bet we harvest every morning, if not every other. Um, there's three plots that we grow on. And so we figure why not put out every weekend and sometimes during the week, we put out this bouquet bar where you can come, all of our customers can come in and buy by the stem. And we've got vessels out there for sale as well, but we'll help and give them sort of design tips if they want them. And otherwise they just will come in and buy by the stem and put together you know, whatever they're looking for. That's neat. From That's those wonderful. Bars. And they're getting yeah. varieties that are unique that probably the local, the only other place you could buy cut flowers is maybe a grocery store probably wouldn't have, right. they wouldn't let you buy by the stem probably either. No, I don't think, no, you don't get a buy by the stem and you definitely do not get amaranth that beautiful. Yeah. And wow. long. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Well, here's your grow, one of your growing areas. Um, you said you yeah. have three. So is, yes. Is it just because you're trying to utilize all the space available to you in a, in a town? Um, well, partially. So this is in my backyard plot, and this is probably 30 by 60, 30 by, no, no I, I bet 40 by 60 or 70. And so. That's um, decent. That's a decent site. That's my whole backyard, by the way. <laughs> that oh. dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on just under three quarters of an acre. And so this is in the back where it's all deer protected. And then I do have two other plots that are deer protected on the front and on the side of the house where um, it's more of um, accompaniments to this and more Mm -hmm. sunflowers and stuff. But I've got all my dahlias in here, all of my zinnias, all my snapdragons, um, and then sweet peas and Solosa and all that good jazz. That's so, so cool. And then yeah. you're also you're also growing at the nursery, you said, or in another oh, location? Yes. Yep. So um our florist who does all of our arrangements and such here at the store, she actually um she's been in the nursery industry for years and she lives right down the street from me. And I would always stop at her farm stand to buy my fresh bouquets every week, even owning a garden center. You know, I'd swing by there and she had bouquets ready to sell in her farm stand and, and veggies and such. So now I convinced her to work with us. So she's on full time. And so we cut from her farm plot and then mine. And then also we have um, a space that's probably triple the size of what you're seeing there in my backyard um, attached to our store. Mm. And so we grow out there as well. Wow. That's cool. Um, is this another view of your backyard or is this at the store? No, this is another view of my backyard. Um, I love your raised beds. 
Thank you. Yeah. They, I practice trying to grow, um, cut flowers and such some different, uh, varieties in there. It didn't fly. So I would say stick with your raised beds to your herbs that you're going to add, pack them full of that. Yeah. And then on the left, um, during COVID, since our store is so large in the far corner, I built a commercial kitchen so we could, um, do cooking classes and have catering events. And it's a commissary kitchen as well. And so when in the summertime, um, we will, we'll harvest, we'll put all of our stems and do all of our stripping and everything on those big tables in the, in the back area. And then we also built a, a walk-in cooler with the cool box system. It's amazing. Keep that. Yeah. How, what percentage of your business is cut flowers? It's, it can't be considering that you're selling huge nursery plants and doing landscape design. It's probably a smallish component, right? Oh, maybe like 5%. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot smaller. I, it will grow though. Yeah. Um, and just even, you know, feeling the vibe kind of that we're the feedback we're getting from the customers and everything. Um, it there's, there's definitely room for it to grow. Well, uh, I, you mentioned that you had the CSA subscription, but it sounds like you're going to do go a little deeper in this, uh, for 2022. Do you want to talk about the, the program that you're launching soon? Yeah. So everybody, you know, I had so many folks once they saw through our Instagram and and Facebook and social things, and we talked to customers here in the store, once they heard that we were flower farming, um, they had so many questions. And so we would chat about, you know, um, what kind of deer pressure are we getting? What kind of insects are we dealing with right now? And so many of our customers are in this same five to 10 mile radius. Um, this next season in our classes, we're actually doing a year-long class that is um, grow along with J&B. And so there'll be live in-person classes that once a month where we do, um, we actually go right into our plots of where we're growing. And so when I'm showing, you know, in February or what have you, burning the landscape fabric for the holes. So the people who are in that course will be with us in our our backyard, learning how and and trying it out. And then um, we'll be live streaming as well so that folks who are remote can still have that um, experience of being in the field uh, throughout the year. So it's every month. It's what, what are we doing this month? And it's um, so smart. Yeah. How are you, Jen, how are you charging for that? Or have you figured that out yet? Um, I haven't, I couldn't tell you a price for it, to be honest. Um, I definitely, it's a lot less than, um, the, you know, some of the other classes are thousands of dollars and I won't be charging that level of rate, uh, for a couple of reasons, primarily because I don't have a lot of the curriculum written yet. So I I don't have a, a workbook. Of yeah. handouts already ready to go. And right now I'm trying to do displays and prep for, you know, spring onions. So I don't have that piece of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> these students less, are going to be yeah. your bait. This is your beta class. They're going to be your Yeah, pits. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is our soft launch. And after this year, then we'll have a curriculum. And so it, it's definitely it. affordable, I think. But what a way to engage uh, customers on a monthly basis so that yeah. um, everything they need, they're going to come to JNB Garden Center to purchase right. from right. soil to pots to seeds to tools. So all of that activity yields them cut flowers, but they need you for, for all those supplies. Right. And I one one other benefit that I didn't realize 
uh, until after the fact that we would get um, is obviously I have the luxury of telling my husband, hey, can you bring home, you know, a dump truck load full of that premium soil we have at the store? I get that luxury, um, but at the same time, I also get to test it. And so I have friends who buy their products from me. They, you know, are customers. I say friends, but customers, they're buying from me. They're growing two miles away from me. So they've got the same exact weather patterns and everything. And I, one of the two things I noticed last year is um, our soil made a difference in our um, yields and how productive our, our crops mm-hmm. were. And then also the multiple varieties that I've planted. Again, I get that luxury. Obviously, I you know have a, the whole line of seeds and such. But right. at the same time, those I didn't have any, as much, hardly any insect issues. I only had a little bit of powdery mildew on some zinnias here and there because I hadn't harvested fast enough. Um, but when I would have customers who were saying they were having, you know, huge aphid issues, so on and so forth. I had to look at what I was doing and go, all right, what made that difference? What did I do different than they did? And I think those two factors, the quality of the soil and starter fertilizer, and then also the multiple varieties for pollinators Mm -hmm. um, to help keep everything healthy. Those would be my two top takeaways from that. That's, that's cool. And so you're just sharing your expertise with them because they want what you have. (laughs) So, right. Right. That's awesome. Well, I know you're going to have that up on your website, so we'll make sure we yeah. share all your links and your social places in our show notes next week when we do this as the audio podcast so people can find that. Um, right. And I'll put the deck that we're looking at, I'll put that link in too for people who want to go back and, and see what you've talked about. I think this is the last slide from the JNB Garden Center section. And okay. let's pivot to your recent shopping trip to um to the home to the Dallas home and gift market. I've never gone yeah. to that. I've heard about it. I hear it's like massive and takes many days. Uh oh yeah. So you went on a buying trip and these yes. photos are just the photos you took of things you spotted, but you've yes. put you've packaged them into some interesting themes. So I'd love to yeah. have you tell us about uh what you saw and how you think it's going to influence the lifestyle marketplace for consumers. Right. So I've, um, one of the things I loved most in the craft and hobby industry was doing the shows every year. Um, and I probably went 10 years of doing every market show for craft and hobby. So, um, I, thankfully I I was a little bit prepared already for this Dallas show is above and beyond any of the others, but I mean, it was a full five days of on your feet morning till night and homework back at the house afterwards. So, um, but a couple of the things that I saw is um, the first one is agriculture in home decor and, and design. And so um, some of these, these vibes are really going to throw you guys. I have to say too, by the way, should I go on to the next slide? Yeah. Yeah. Let's bump over to the next. So there's a theme going and it's, um, and it's happening in uh, wall prints, statuaries, um, uh, fabric, all sorts of different mm-hmm. things that are focused on cows, sheep, horses, a little bit of pigs here and there, but mostly uh, sheep and cows are huge. Well, we see by the, horses. yeah, we see the print that kind of has this yep. pastoral vintage mm-hmm. look, and then the the yep. three dimensional sheep head. 
Um, yeah. I think you were telling me that the, the, the skull there is probably more of a Texas thing than a, an overall trend, but it kind of, I know that uh, yeah. people collect those things for their, their gardens or their barns or. Yeah, kitchens. they do. And, and this particular guy has them priced pretty, uh, hefty, but they're all, they're original and those are actually, uh, real flowers and succulents, but the flower part has been, um, preserved. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're authentic, but, um, those don't really, I, I can't do the skull thing personally, yeah. but others can. Um, but yeah, so see, you've got that sheep there, uh, standing up as a, uh, a display piece. Um, and right behind it, you can see another, a different concrete statuary head right. mounted on the wall. Right. So those are, those are definitely hot. Yep. I love those. And I was also, I was kind of questioning, um, the, the, the buyers that I was working with as I said, okay, so is this more because we're in Texas or are you taking these same displays and everything to Vegas and Seattle too? And they said, nope, it's not just because we're in Texas. So, wow. So I had to kind the, of clarify. So the, like the frame prints, are they, they reproductions or they're, they're not expensive antiques, but they've no. been inspired by expensive antiques probably. Right. And so those are just vendors who have taken, and you, we could all do this. This is one where I'm going to make my own, take my collection of all old windows. And what they did is they had, um, uh, artwork that they either owned or was royalty free and printed it on canvas and just stapled it to the back of those. I mean, granted there's, there's more formal artwork available in that same style, but that particular picture, that's all that is. That's crazy. There was another one too. Oh, there's more animal heads that were just in the smaller, like hook kind of detail. Yep. They're coming in every shape and style. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that that for sale milk uh, cow sign is probably either a reproduction because if it was an antique, it would be very expensive. Yeah. No, it's a reproduction. So I think the retail on that size of this, and it's a good reproduction though. I mean, it is, Yeah. It. I touched it. It's right there with it. Um, I think that one probably retails for about 150 Wow. Ish. Yeah. Under yeah. 200. And you're, and you're, you can see some of like, what did, of all of this did you actually buy for your store or other oh, than I bought that, all those? Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bought this, this, I could keep, I could keep pointing. Yeah. I bought, um, I didn't, I did buy, I think one of those milk cows specifically only because I know we have so many dairy farmers here in the Willamette Valley. Um, Someone's going to want that. uh, Yes. Yep. And then you're going to have to order more. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. All right. You had a, now, okay. We we've talked about this whole like Pantone pear, very Perry color of the year, but you saw oh, another color yes. that you were excited about. And I'm going to go to that slide. Yeah. And I don't even know if you call it this, but after you showed me this blue, I uh-huh. happened to see this paint feature in the current issue of better homes and gardens. And that same blue popped up and I'm like, well, yep. Jen's onto something. Um, yep. And they called it that particular paint was called Stockholm blue. I don't know. You, you probably want to describe it better than that. Well, yeah, it, it was one of the things that stood out to me outside of the agriculture thing. You know, even while I was walking the show, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That 1986 blue is coming back. You know, like my mom had it in wallpaper borders with ducks. I, I we had that yes. exact Stockholm blue in 1988. We had lattice. My mom painted lattice and put it on our, our wall in our dining room. 
Um, but that blue color is here and it's coming in all sorts of shades and, and hues. And so, um, like you'll see the, the ones that you, um, oh, I'll have to, I'll have to get a picture and, and we can add it to this when we go live. But I came home immediately from the show and, uh, was working on figuring out what color it was before you sent me that. BHG um, yeah. image, but I was mixing my own paint colors because I was like, I'm going to start painting stuff right now. Um, but it kind of comes in all sorts of hues. So it's that lighter blue with that lamp on the um, left is one. And then the, the hutches and the furniture and those prints that you see on the right, those are a lot more gray. Mm -hmm. And um, the prints behind it have actually a lot more brownish sort of um, aged brown added right. to those those but even colors. like that that glass jug on the yep. table has that sort of bottle blue yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's look at a few more that you sent uh over like these this these are like stained or painted wooden pieces right um but you see it in the so, metal on those lanterns on the left too yeah so i have those exact lanterns in our store. And, uh, right now my tops are only in that, uh, you know, bronzy coppery color that's standard. Um, and, and these are the exact same thing. They just drug a foam brush with the blue paint over the top. Mm -hmm. wow. Look at, I'm giving out all the secrets on how yeah, to you. Wow. Well, I think there were some so. others that you sent me that didn't get into the deck, but even like pillows, mm -hmm. um, upholstery mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. it's an accent, it's an accent color, um, right. that just is a refresh, right? Yep. And it's just, it's really a, it's an accent color, but it blends in with everything. Like we've been on the trend of neutrals, you know, and grays um, for so long that this is a, a natural inclusion. You know, mm. last year, year before we saw more navy blue coming. Um, so I think this is almost like the neutral-ish gray blue. Yeah. It's very pleasing. Okay, so how are you going to apply this this blue theme in uh, at, at JMB Garden Center? Well, we already started. So, like I said, I I came home and immediately started mixing and blending paints to try to find that color. Wow! And um, this is for us. Um, January is our rest month, and in February we just get busy. Uh, getting all of our displays ready for the, the season coming up in March. And so we are um, blending our own colors. I got some off the shelf, but primarily um, we're oh, painting. You're painting a lot of there. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because we, I want this, I want it incorporated. I'm not going to go crazy, but I need it incorporated in a few different spots. Hmm. And oh, so, so that's, that's the door to that that hutch. Right. Yep. And then it has the top and what I'll do. One of our passions is aging furniture. And, um, so we'll age this and put the glass back in this curio and everything, but, um, that's part of it. And then I'll show you one little, we've got everything blocked off from customers right <laughs> this now. This is the back of the house people. Yes, exactly. So really quick, see that green moss cow up above on top of our yes. fridge. Yes. Um, that was an accidental order, but a couple of years ago, it's a giant moss cow. And I'm so excited we have it now. You're like, I was ahead of the trend. I had it already. Right. <laughs> but um, so here with the ag, I bought authentic uh, rugs, cowhide rugs and such. 
when I was in Dallas. And so we'll be, we're taking pre-orders for those. So those are kind of different ways that we're incorporating all the the pieces and things that, that I gleaned from the show and ordered. And showing people how to use it in their home and yeah. giving them confidence. Yeah. That yep. is fantastic. Thanks for that little sneak peek too. It gives yeah. people a sense of what you're doing. I love it. Okay. This is a one that, that you called eclectic and passion elements. And this is more back more to the um, you be you kind of, or be right. true to yourself kind of sense that you picked up on, right? I'm not describing right. it well. Well, so yeah, this, I mean, eclectic and passion elements, that was the the words I could find that fit the vibe best. But um, what I saw is um, it's just, a, um, and it's, I think it's permission to throw in something that is a surprise and delight, so to speak, for what you love in your home or in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's your clothing or your um, decor or anything like that. I think um, we it's just, I saw a bunch of oddball stuff thrown in where I was like, well, that was interesting. That style doesn't fit with the farmhouse boho or mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. more traditional style, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it still all worked together. Yeah. And so I kind of thought about it like, you know, we've got folks like, for example, you know, you have your graphic tees that are hot right now, right? So I've right. got that under a flannel with a, you know, a plaid and a floral neckerchief. That's my favorite word, neckerchief. It is um, kind of, I I, think, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's kind of, we see it in fashion where you're getting the clash of of a print and a plaid or right. po- polka dot and stripe. and But it seems to, for whatever reason, it looks Work. harmonious, even though it's clashing. Right. Yeah. It's like we're we're breaking all the rules that our grandmothers and our mothers gave us, you know. Yeah. Um, so like for instance, the doilies mm-hmm. um that are underneath that, not everybody's yeah. gonna go with doilies right now. I'm not saying that's a style, but that photo after we got back from uh the show, I was at my girlfriend's house and I noticed she had doilies and I thought that's an example of her incorporating what she's passionate about in a, a gorgeous home, you know. So well, when we, we when we did, permission. yeah, and my um pre- my presentation for the uh, slow flowers floral insights, um, Robin Avni, my partner, mentioned this thing she's read about called Granny Chic, which is oh, yeah. um, l- younger like Gen Z kids uh, loving all that 1970s uh, or older stuff that their grandparents mm-hmm. decorated with, whereas you know like my nieces who are in their, you know, early thirties. Right. They're into that. Whereas I would never be. And I think the doily kind of fits into that as well. Right. It's kind of like uh, my, my boys are 25 and 23 and they're all about vintage clothing, you know? And uh, yeah. So I think I, I can see that tying in. Yeah. And I think this photo on the left is just a hot mess, but I know <laughs> it is a there's, hot mess. there's stuff in there that caught your eye. <laughs> yeah. It's a super hot mess. Um, that one in particular was, um, I took that picture because those, uh, um, serving spoons caught me, caught my eye in terms of something that kind of brings your eye up. So in this building in particular, when I'm merchandising, I'm coming in with, a. we've already been hanging stuff from our big rafters um, in the past, but I'm coming in with more of that surprise and delight type of um, 
installation that has stuff coming down that just catches your eye and you just think about it in a different way. Yeah. And so obviously you're not going to do that probably in your home. Although in small amounts, there's other photos that I put in here that I thought, why couldn't you put that, you know, in your house? Right. But it is kind of like the runway, uh, you know, exaggeration that then gets reinterpreted. So for people who are watching this, I mean, we have so many members who are, are, um, have retail shops and that merchandising Mm -hmm. is something that creates an environment when the customer steps in. So I can see where it's translatable. Um, even that one on the right, where you've got that piece of art and it's hanging in front of a hutch that kind of confused me at first, but I was like, well, it's a vertical surface. It is. And so it's like, let's just think of how can we incorporate the everyday in a new and different way? Yeah. And so I think we all kind of, um, we get stuck in the whole, uh, just standard, you know, yeah. just doing um, that homogenization of everything sort yeah. of a look. And, um, I think, think outside the box. And if you throw something up and it looks good, go with it. Yeah. So I this, this trend is more, it should be, uh, your permission slip. Yeah. You know? I love that. I love that. Well, I think that breaking the rules is kind of what we've all embraced with COVID. So it's yeah. well, it, it it should carry through to home decor and and even floral. And the next category mm-hmm. is floral. So this one, yes. I I put floral mix up on here because I I I knew it was beyond foraging, and it's yeah. it's sort of an interesting th- thing that you noticed. Um, for right. example, like this image here. What it looks like it's a combination of dried and preserved. Um, it's a combination of dried and uh, fresh. So those roses are fresh. Okay. Um, and then uh, there are elements that are dried. Um, like I think the celosia and the bunny tails, there's oh, bunny I tails see. grasses in there. Yeah. Um, those are dried. And then you've got your preserved moss as a base. So um, it's just kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's in a tray. And a lot of times uh, when I'm designing, I'll, ch- I'll need something that is of this height, of this length. And um, photos like this and examples like this felt like it gave me permission to totally think outside the box. And, um, you know, it doesn't all have to come in a, a traditional vessel with water. Essentially, um, what w- what I see coming, and I wanted permission to do it um, earlier this year myself when I was designing um, with my cut bouquets, is um, I asked myself, since we sell um, high-quality faux uh, and we also sell fresh garden supplies and dried, I wanted the permission to put to mix those, all, those elements all together, the, the faux, the dried, and the fresh. Wow. And... I wasn't sure if that was, you know, a faux pas. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I, actually, I don't even know where that came from. I didn't even know I said that. Okay, so yeah, this is an example. Um, I didn't do it personally. I, I hesitated and chose not to because I thought, well, I wonder if that'll be stupid or, you know, yeah, wrong. Yeah. Wrong, so to speak. Um, but at the show, I saw the the designers for all the displays were doing it. And so I think that you know, I struggled with that concept. Even I, I had to wait a couple of days going back to the show and seeing more examples of it because I thought, well, slow flowers that, you know, we focus a lot on sustainability and I actually teach the, the slow flowers. Um, 
I call it a methodology, you mm-hmm. know, or a mindset. I mm-hmm. teach that to our customers who are buying uh, cut flowers from us and why right. it's important. And um, I thought, well, you know, is it sustainable to have something that's artificial in those those arrangements and such? But so if you look at the image on the left, um, this is a mix of fresh and very high quality faux. You would have to touch it to know. Right. I had to physically touch it to know. Right. And so the um, the ornamental uh, kale or cabbage is mm-hmm. fresh. Um, the grasses on the left are faux. Uh, the snapdragons are fresh. The cascadias uh, are fresh. Um, there's a couple other freshes in there, but the other elements are faux. And the amaranth coming down he's uh made out of fabric oh interesting Mm -hmm. i mean i feel like it's more of a home decor treatment for people who want um something unique that's going to maybe live on their buffet table or in their on their mantle for more than just the life of a fresh arrangement right is that sort of why this is happening I think so. And I think as from, I come at it from, cause I'll do, I do installations in, uh, customers' homes. I go into their home and, and set up yeah. for events and such for them. Yeah. And I think it's helpful for, to be able to mix the two, not just for the, the consumer, but also as a designer, um, those are all pieces that are usually kind of a standard, you know, you're not it's going to be something that they can have every year. So if I'm going in next year to work with that client, I already know she has those elements and, you know, she's keeping them, she's keeping them uh, well. And I can reuse those next year. I can reuse those from season to season. And I think it's actually, it's almost more encouraging when if I'm only harvesting from my, you know, fields that are, are ready right now, Sometimes you still do want something else new in there, or I don't happen to have that grass. I think tying them together. Yeah. Or what do you do in the winter? Sometimes. Yeah. What do you do in the winter months? So, um, well, that's that. I mean, that's part of what jumped out at me for this is because as a florist in the winter months, I don't get to do slow flowers. Yeah. Right. Right. Or you're limited. Well, I I think there's a, there's definitely, uh, you know, I think it's an option for some people, yeah. I think a lot of it, it relates to educating the consumer about what, right. what is local and what's not. And maybe you do a percentage right. and that's yeah. okay too. I wouldn't ever imagine that more, that I would have more than probably 10% in a yeah. bouquet or an arrangement. Yeah. I, I think I just don't, in my head, I think I can think outside of what's fresh and available for some of those, the sizzle. in yeah. um, the drama pieces. Right, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. drama. Very fun. Okay. This is the, I think our last one. And, um, this seemed to, oh, there's that blue again. And that I knew there was a photo Uh with the blue cushion, Yeah, but size and scale you said is just like, maybe it's because you were in Texas, but bigger is, is, is taking on bigger elements are taking, uh, on, uh, prominence in home decor. Well, and I think again, this one, I don't know, you know, a magazine might not call it a trend, so to speak, but for me, it was a quick reminder of, um, how important size and scale is in your overall design. And that's Mm -hmm. for, you know, arranging, um, or in your home decor. And so there's no reason why, like, um, if you've got the space, we can think and, and grow bigger, you know, look at that mirror. I, you know, it's, 
It's got that big mantle underneath the big chunky pieces, and it still makes the space feel cozy. And I think that that is, if I were going to say, here's one thing that folks do wrong, you know, or could do better in, in home design is, um, bringing in bigger pieces off the get go. Yeah. Don't shy away from them. I think it's, I think it's really important. And I think we have the opportunity now to do so. Well, look at the urns that had the branches too, and the, on mm-hmm. either side of the mirror, that is yep. easy to do. And yeah, totally, it totally drama, you know, it doesn't right. cost much, but it has that right. dramatic effect. Um, yep. I think there's one that you, you showed me. I didn't know. Oh, here's another few things in lighting that you were talking about. Yeah. Lighting is probably the number one place that I can say, go big first. And if you have to scale back, you can, but no matter what, you're going to get a chandelier or a lighting piece in your space. And it's never going to look as big as you think it is. So <laughs> there's that arrangement. Say, go bigger. That, that's that arrangement uh, that you showed us a detail of earlier. Now I get a right. sense of that yeah. fabric amaranth. That's so interesting. Right. And so I, for me, I had a customer this last Christmas who has a 12 foot long, um, large dining table and she's got 19 foot ceilings. And I literally in my store couldn't find something ready to go that was big enough for her table. For her and, scale. Right. And so, um, and going off of, that'd be a very difficult and expensive arrangement to do all fresh on the left. But size scale wise it matched and if I would have had some of those faux elements I could have definitely got her her Christmas arrangement um and still you know she's got those those few picks in there for future well I was gonna say that's sort of a even for someone who has what it sounds like is a limitless budget if they feel like they're investing in a piece that they can reuse there is a little bit of that yeah you know response it's a little more positive um This one was, I mean, the, the left photo, that mirror is insane. And um, Oh, I bought that mirror. Mm-hmm. Did you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I love that mirror. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, so how do you intend to use it in the store, in the store or for yourself? Um, no, I actually have seven foot ceilings. So that is even a bit big for me. Okay. Um, I'm going to use it in the store on, oh, a, bu- sure. uh, on a buffet, just like that leaned up against one of our, um, our vignette walls. We have barnwood vignette walls. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, and, and you know what, that's a piece where it, I'm actually buying it for that impact and that vibe. And it's not something that is going to sell real quick in my store, but it's traditional. It's going to, um, give the overall ambiance and help towards that. And it'll take the right customer to take it home. But in the meanwhile, it's helping our aesthetic. Yeah, I love it. And the the images, the the lights on the right, the thing I wanted to comment on or ask you about is these are huge, just like yeah. the ones that were on the earlier slide, but they're mm-hmm. sort of transparent so that you don't have that sense that there's this ominous mass hanging uh, from right. the ceiling. It's got a light heart, a lightness to it that... Um, right. Uh, and, this- and it also is blending um, a more traditional... Uh, colonial type of design look with more of a modern mm. um, with because that they've got that silver finish on it and this is inside of a church and yeah. so like you wouldn't automatically think that that would be the lighting choice but sh- it sure works because wow. um, even though you're blending too it, it works what I also like about it 
now that we're on the this looking at analyzing the ceiling is there are there's a, a trio. So it's it's creating mm-hmm. a pattern. It's not just one lonely like right. picture. And it has a lot right. more impact. Yeah, and from absolutely. a from a retailer's point of view, when why not sell three instead of one, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Well, this was so much fun, Jen. I love what Thank you're doing you. and I love talking you. with you. I learned so much. And um, I think that having bringing your expertise from another category of scrapbooking and rubber stamping and seeing yeah. how how the consumer responds to retail right. you know, themes, you're just translating that into what you're doing now and getting to play with flowers and- too. Yeah. And that's the thing is I really, um, I kind of go off of as an entrepreneur working on what I'm passionate about at the time. And so I don't scrapbook anymore. Shame, shame on me. But, um, that's what my husband and I, we felt confident coming in and opening a garden center. Cause that's what we were eating, living, breathing, thinking about researching as a hobbyist anyway, you know, right. Right. I love it. Well, good. Well, this has been a a wonderful uh, education and also just getting people, having people learn a little bit more about you. I can't wait to get down to Corvallis in the summer and, um, and visit J&B. It's not that far. It's a day trip for me. Nope. Nope. And I can come your way too. I, we hit Seattle often. So good. Uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge and your story. And I know that our, um, our crew of, Loyal Slow Flowers podcast and vodcast fans have learned something new today, too. If there's only one idea that you can take from this, it was worth your time to join us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today to meet Jen Healy and learn from a true trend spotter who's bringing her passion for cut flowers into the retail garden center environment. Our next sponsor thank you goes to flowerfarm.com, a leading wholesale flower distributor that sources from carefully selected flower farms to offer high performing fresh flowers sent directly from the farm straight to you. You can shop by flower or country of origin at flowerfarm.com. And find flowers and foliage from places like California, Florida, Oregon, and Washington by using the Origin Selection Tool in your search. Learn more at flowerfarm.com. Well, as I mentioned in last week's episode, Slow Flowers is moving into Valentine's Day by producing five days of floral design workshops for the 2022 Northwest Flower and Garden Festival, which begins today, February 9th, and continues through Sunday, February 13th. Be sure to follow our Instagram stories at Slow Flower Society each day to see our design instructors, all Slow Flowers members. They include Bethany Little of Charles Little and Company, who's teaching romantic wreath design today, Beth Cyphers of Crowley House Farm, who will teach a flower crown workshop on Thursday, Kiara Hancock of K Hancock Events, who's teaching a centerpiece workshop on Friday. Mom and daughter team Kim Gruder and Tonnelly Gruder of Salty Acres Farm, who will teach the Tiny Bouquet Workshop on Saturday. And on Sunday, Toby Nelson of Toby Nelson Events and Design will teach botanical jewelry. 
I'm super excited to get a jump start on spring, and the Northwest Flower and Garden Show is definitely the way to do it here in Seattle. And I can't overlook giving shout-outs to our other members and Blue Imprint authors who are also speaking at the show. Jennifer and Adam O'Neill of Pepperharo Farm are speaking three times, including talking about their new book, Small Farm, Big Dreams, And they'll be competing head-to-head on the Container Wars stage. I'll try and grab footage of that matchup. And Julie Beeler of Bloom and Dye, who will teach colors from the dye garden. So what are you waiting for? If you're in the Seattle area and you want a pair of tickets to come to the show, I'll be giving away two sets of tickets to the first two members who comment in today's show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com or who send us a DM at Slow Flower Society on Instagram. And we'll be able to leave the tickets at Will Call for you to come sometime this week. Our final sponsor thank you goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material, and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 813,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Show and the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. You can learn more about Andrew's work at soundbodymovement.com. Music